Many Egyptians complain that not enough has changed in their country since the fall of the Mubarak government. The former regime was known for its social and political repression. Perhaps no other neighborhood in Cairo felt that repression more than Imbaba. Reporter Andrew Mills went there to see what has changed and what hasn't over the past year. It's just after six in the evening, and I'm standing on one of the main streets at the edge of Mbaba. I'm waiting to meet Khaled Atif, the president of the local neighborhood committee. Khaled has agreed to bring me along to tonight's meeting. Khaled's a lawyer, and he's lived here all his life. So he knows his way through the labyrinth of dirt alleyways. Each alley is no more than a few meters wide, and the air is damp and thick with the smells of dust and sewage. Imbab is one of the most crowded places in the world. Almost a million people live here, crammed into an area three times more densely populated than Manhattan. This, I mean, the streets all look the same to me. I feel like I, I could be lost here for the rest of my life. This has been my neighborhood for a long time. So, of course, I know all the streets. I know what leads to where. A year ago, Khaled joined the uprising in Tahrir Square. Those protests were about toppling Hosni Mubarak. And for Khaled, that meant changing the way Egypt works. For decades, Mubarak's government saw places like Mbaba as a liability, a potential source of opposition to his regime. The government simply ignored the neighborhood, failing to provide even the most basic services. People here would complain, but the former regime ruled Mbaba by sowing fear. The dreaded agents of state security were always listening. And for anyone who dared criticize that regime, arrest, torture, and even death were never far off. The regime wanted us to think of them as the father and the mother of all the people. The government does everything, and the people do nothing. They don't participate in political life. In one-party rule, the people weren't allowed to have a role. Khaled believes that if Egyptian democracy is really going to work, people must be able to take control of their own communities. That's where his neighborhood committee comes in. During last year's uprising, Khaled organized a group of local men to protect homes and businesses from looters and thugs. They armed themselves with whatever they had, broomsticks, machetes, crowbars. Then they set up checkpoints and patrolled these alleyways. After the protests, most neighborhood committees in Cairo dissolved, not in Mbeba. A few days after the regime fell, neighbors started calling for Khaled's group to do more. Somebody wanted them to train unemployed young people to direct traffic. Another wanted them to collect money from each household and fund a garbage collection system. What Khaled noticed was that his neighbors' attitudes towards their community had changed. The revolution was a big turning point. Before the revolution, people here didn't have a sense of belonging to the neighborhood because of what the old regime had done to them. But now, people here feel that this country belongs to them again, and they want to do something for it. In a country that has never had local government... The idea of neighbors organizing themselves to improve their community is revolutionary. And in the last year, Khaled's little committee has kicked into overdrive. They've opened offices all over Mbeba. They've established a modest budget and attracted 1,500 volunteers. There are Muslims and Christians represented on the committee, and they welcome members of all political stripes. They've organized soccer tournaments and street cleanups. They've arranged to have gas lines and street lights installed. And they've even mediated disputes between rival businessmen. 
and anyone listening outside of Egypt would think, oh, why, you know, the government should be doing these things. <laughs> we are the government. There was a vacuum after the revolution, and it was necessary to fill that because this is our country. Tonight, the committee meeting is in an alleyway around the corner from Khaled's apartment. He takes his spot on a chair under the streetlight and greets people arriving. By 8.30, about a dozen men have assembled on chairs borrowed from the coffee shop at the end of the alleyway. And before we begin, Khaled reminds me that just months ago, attending a meeting like this might have landed us all in jail. In the days of the tyrant, somebody would have reported tonight's meeting to the state security authorities. And then, after three in the morning, there would be a knock on the door, and we would all be taken away to jail. But you would be okay. Your embassy would come and bail you out. There's not a hint of fear tonight, though, as Khaled calls the meeting to order. Things start off with a discussion about food prices, then garbage, and then immunization. Our meeting has been blocking the alleyway, and cars are lined up to pass. So Khaled stops the meeting briefly, and committee members scatter to let them through. When we reconvene, Khaled calls on Mr. Nasser to report back from his trip to the local social security office. It is so crowded and chaotic. There are big crowds and people have to wait in line for hours. And there are lots of arguments in line and with the clerks. Meanwhile, the manager just sits in his office and does not care. Imbaba's poorest residents collect food stamps each month at the chaotic social security office. Men and women end up waiting in line from 8 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. And naturally, when they get to the clerk, they are so fed up, and the clerk is fed up too. It's been that way for years. And under Mubarak's rule, nothing could be done about it. But the neighborhood committee is about to demand changes. I went upstairs to meet the manager in his office. I told him the least he could do is to give out number tickets like they do in banks so people can sit and be comfortable until their number is called. The manager was cooperative, but his boss was arrogant, just like the old regime used to be. Of course, I kept my cool. I told him his arrogance wouldn't go unnoticed and that we would file a complaint. I made sure to tell him that our voices would be heard. That's good. It will give the message to the Social Security employees that we paid them respect, and we didn't go behind their backs, and directly to the governor. Am I right? Okay. Now, on to the next item, public hygiene and cleaning. Just before midnight, the meeting draws to a close, and as he's cleaning up, Khaled asks me what I thought about the neighborhood committee. I tell him that over the years I've been coming to Egypt, I've heard many complaints about just how difficult life has become here. But until now, I've heard very few solutions, and that's exciting. What I don't tell them is that I wonder just how effective this neighborhood committee will be. It's going to be hard to overcome the powerful forces working against them. For The World, I'm Andrew Mills in Cairo.